Welcome to the Life Voice Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham and Julie Plunk. We're excited to be with you on another podcast episode. I decided to do that just in case somebody listens to the podcast in like 1.5 speed. Just to test and see what it would sound like. Uh, you were like, oh, man, like this skipped up. Do you, do you guys listen to stuff in a faster speed? Everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do you think I get through three Bachelor podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You got to. I, uh, what's, what speed do you go at? It do depends you, on what it is. Okay. With a lot of audiobooks, I do 2X. Two? Yeah. You get used to it after you listen for a little Dang. while. But for stuff like, so I'm doing the Bible recap podcast. Every, well, I'm not faithful to every day. So sometimes it's a couple of episodes at a time. But that is so content rich yeah. that I can't go more than 1.5. Okay, so but 1.5 is like your normal speed. Yeah. I feel like listening to something like the way that they say it just yeah. feels like it's just dragging mm. on. I'm definitely 1.5. That's my standard. As a normal. Yeah. I I'm can a, sometimes get to two, but not very often. Yeah. I'm at 1.25 right now because I, I had been doing just one. Like I listened to everything in one speed. And we were at a family gathering and Kristen's brother listens to things at 3x. <laughs> and he has uh, he has some vision impairment stuff that he it's a lot better now than it used to be. But when when he was like really vision impaired early on in his life, he would listen to books like that's how he functioned with that. And so he got really good at listening to things very fast. That is impressive. That's very I didn't know three was an option. And I, I was like. Man, if you're doing three, like, let me go from 1. one to 1.5, and it was too fast. You just need a little time in it. It's like a muscle. You it may have it. also been the, the content, too. Yeah. Like, it, that, that, whatever I was listening to may have mm. been just like, I can't handle this. You know, like a leadership book, they're going to say the same things 12 times. They are. So it's like, man, if you didn't catch it the first round, it's going to be said again. You'll see it again in a yeah. couple seconds, yeah. So, uh, if you're listening to this podcast at an, an increased rate of speed, then the first 10 seconds was a real gift to you. <laughs> uh, and I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review. We sure would appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It is an honor to be able to do this for y'all uh, every single week. So, thank you. Let us know how we're doing. Um, and we would, we'd be glad to adjust course to be able to serve you better. Um, you can find us on Twitter at student ministry. Uh, you can find me personally at Ben Trueblood and then at John Paul Basham, Julie. I don't know that I know my handles. Is that awful? <laughs> I think it's at Jay Plunk. There you go. There we go. Yeah. So you can find all of us on the social medias by that. Okay, we are in it with the topic today of how to create culture. I'd like to say as we start that it's so much easier to create culture than to change culture. Like if you're in a place and you are having to change the culture from what it is to something else, that's way harder than just creating something new. And the vast majority of people I would wager that are listening to this are in the changing, like the new culture that you're trying to start means that you're having to walk away 
from something that was in the old culture or many things and transition a group of people who are used to something into getting used to and loving something new. Mm. Man, that's so hard. And so I just, I want to affirm the journey that all of you as student pastors and student ministry leaders on, the work that you spend in developing culture is worth every moment. So don't stop, like spend the time on it. I know it's difficult. We're going to talk today about some things that uh, that you can do to help develop culture, but don't neglect it because if you as the leader ne- neglect culture, it will develop itself and it will develop itself rarely to what you want it to be. So don't neglect it. Every moment that you spend in it is worth it. And I, I would just kick off the conversation by saying the. the the way to develop culture, one of the ways to develop culture is by spending a lot of time with the people. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, culture doesn't just exist in your mind. Culture actually happens as what you're trying to do lands on the people and then they interact with it. And the only way that you're going to get a handle on their interaction with that, with your vision and mission and your values, is to interact with the people enough so that you can train them and speak to them and and get it in them first. Mm. This is one of those more caught than taught. Absolutely. Not to say that you have to teach it. It's you have to if you're if you're making some significant culture changes, it has to be expressed, has to be explained clearly. It needs to be posted everywhere that you can post it so people are reminded of it and all of that. But it's like you said, that living that out in front of them and then seeing how people are trying to live that out and coaching them in that and showing them how you might approach that different, I think is one of those places where you just have to walk that out in front of your people for them to see, oh, that's how that works. This is one of those things, if you haven't listened to the episode with Ryan McDermott, you need to go back Mm. and listen to that because he is a culture-shaping pro. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I didn't know until we did that podcast with him, but he has done a ton of that work to just live that out right in front of his people Mm -hmm. and model it well. Yeah, I think it's also important to note that when you're creating or changing culture, it always starts from the inside out. So you're talking with your leaders first first of all you're figuring out uh, what you actually want what you want your culture to be and spend some time in that but you've got to get your leaders on board first and foremost before you try to just roll this out with all your students so I think it's really important to get that buy-in and vision cast as good as you can before you just post your new values or whatever you're trying to do with everyone so it's this podcast is also very timely, and I hope I'm allowed to say this because Lifeway as a company is experiencing new yeah. culture. We got um, Ben Mandrell as our new president a few months ago, and uh, after Dr. Rayner retired, and he has done a great job of introducing um, a new culture to us, and he's he's just done some really incredible things. Transitioned our our workplace and the employees really well through this new phase of LifeWay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is a fresh thing for us. Uh, you know, and LifeWay's been around since 1890. Man, I, I probably should know, but something. 1890, 1890 something, sounds right. Uh, 
producer Nathan can find it and can fact check it <laughs> while we do that. We can give you the exact year. <sighs> Hope, hopefully, I'll. Dr. Frost. Dr. Frost. Sunday yeah. School board. So it's been around forever, and there have been different cultures here, and the very fact that it can still shift and become something new is an incredible statement to all of the leaders that have been able to do that here before. And I say that only to kind of reinforce to you that are listening here that are like looking at your culture and looking at what happens in your ministry and you're thinking, man, I really wish things didn't work that way. I really wish this attitude didn't exist or I really wish this was different, whatever that is in your context. The confidence I want to give you is that that can be changed. This is, how, did you find the year? 1891. 1891. All right. So if an organization can be around this long and still in a relative, Ben's been here since October, a relatively short amount of time, have significant cultural changes, then you leading in your context can have the same impact. And I, you just have to step into the work. And, and again, to our first point here is to be with people. Culture isn't created by you coming up with ideas and writing them down, throwing them out once, or even just keeping them in your head. You have to transmit those ideas and beliefs and the things that define your culture to other people. It won't advance without that. Yeah, I love what you started with in saying that if you're not intentional about creating culture and directing that culture, specifically where you want it to go, it's still going to develop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just probably going to develop in a way contrary to what you were looking for. Yeah. Because that, and this speaks to what Ben has done, that culture is going to start with the leader. And so if the leader is putting out a culture of neglect, then that's going to soak into everything else that happens. And where there is neglect, and that is the acceptable standard, there's going to be a lot of balls that are dropped, but there's also going to be other voices that say, well, if this is going to be neglected, then I'm going to pick it up. And now that voice becomes a leader in that area that starts driving some culture, which is maybe not what you want. No. Culture is going to happen with or without you. And as the leader, you this is one of those like, this is one of the one things that you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, like Andy, Andy Stanley talks about, like spend the majority of your time doing the things only you can do as a leader. And this is, this is one of those, that as a leader, you've got to drive culture. And the things that you talk about and the things that you present all do that. So, but it, there has to be a people connection. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing that I, that I just throw out there is to be consistent. It's got to be something that you talk about all the time. Finding it's, unique ways to constantly remind people yeah. like that. Yeah. It's not a set it and forget it type of situation. You have to use the same mm -hmm. same phrases, same language, same actions, same examples, and then be looking for new examples that say the same thing. So let me toss a question to you guys because this is assuming if you're if you're consistent in speaking into this culture and casting vision for that culture, you've done some work to to discover what the culture needs to be, whether that's because it needs, you, you need that to fit your own personality and leadership, or you see some gaps in the culture where you're stepping in. Maybe you're the person that hired you says, we really need to fix these things, step up the game in this place, whatever the circumstances. We're assuming that you've done some work 
to figure out what those things are and what that language needs to be. So I would love for you guys to talk about as you start to roll that out, because you would also hear a lot of people say, man, don't make any major changes inside the first, some people say six months, some people say a year. How do you start casting vision for that culture and speaking consistently without stepping on the landmines that may be there, the sacred cows that you know you probably shouldn't touch yet? I don't know if this answers your question, but I really do think it starts kind of what Ben said with relationships of getting to know your people really well, building relationships with them, building that trust really well so that when you do get to a point where maybe some landmines have to be dug up or some changes, they're going to trust your leadership enough to be able to accept that. And that's not going to be nearly as, as painful as maybe, hey, y'all, I'm in charge now. We're going to have to change this because you've put in the time of, I really actually care about you as a person. I I want what's best for this ministry. I want what's best for you. So that's always my go-to is it's got to start with relationships. Yeah, I agree. I think, again, the people are a huge part of that. Specifically, I would mention listening, like knowing which questions to ask and listening to what they have to say. And so how do you begin to plant seeds of changing culture without going in a sledgehammer to the drywall and it's by listening to people and then setting up for them what like some people in communication teaching communication would call the golden tomorrow like beginning to paint the picture for them of what it looks like at the end of this journey that you're going to take them on in ministry paint the picture for them you don't have to fill in all the gaps in the middle you'll do that as you begin to roll out your culture But as you listen, you'll find out, okay, what do these people love? What do these people not love? Where are they spiritually? Because something that they may love needs to change based on where they are. And if you hammer their drywall right away, they're not going to be happy about it. So you've got to, you've got to ascertain that information. And then what I, what I love is ask them what if questions. So listen, get their feedback, find out what they love, find out what they don't love. Hey, what if this started to happen in our student ministry? Because you, you know, like, you know where you want to go. What if this started to happen in our student ministry? Oh man, that would be fantastic. And so by using those, what, what if statements, you can begin to paint a picture that way when you roll out the culture changing components, it matches with the picture that they've already embraced in their mind as, man, I want to I follow this person because I want to see what that picture looks like. Like, I want to yeah, get there. So then, if you have to change something they love, they already love the picture as well. They've yeah. seen what the house remodel looks like to continue the drywall illustration. Something that I noticed that, and a lot of this is personality driven, probably comes easier to some people than others. But I think that Ben Mandrell used fun and just levity every time he was ready to put a new piece of vision in place with us. There was a there just is. You get a new leader, and there's just going to be some level of anxiety over what are the changes going to be? Am I going to like this person? Are they going to like me? What's this going to look like? 
And this is his, Ben likes games, he likes fun things. So I think there's something that comes very naturally to him. But he disarmed a lot of the fears at, at Lifeway by just stepping in and having fun with us early on. And it was always like, let's have a little fun. Now let me cast a little vision. Now let's have a little fun and let me tell you what I'm working toward. And man, I noticed that he did that so well, so strategically in pairing those fun moments with the serious moments. And I think it really broke down some walls to help people come along. Like, okay, I, I just like you. Yeah. So I'm open to hearing what you have to say. <laughs> I mean, the very end of that, I think, is a great point, too. It'll be difficult for people to embrace a new culture that's designed by someone they don't like. Yeah. It's very, very difficult. Almost impossible. Yeah. So here's a follow-up question. Um, How do you get people to like? <laughs> I don't know that one. What's the, the Dale Carnegie book? Yeah. How to win people, influence to, people, and win friends. How to win friends and influence people, yeah. Yeah. New... A student pastor coming into a new environment, a lot of times the juniors and seniors just hate you just because you're not the last person. <laughs> That's right. So how do, you, how do you address that? I mean, I don't want to keep going back to time and people, but I think that's, like, that's a lot of building culture. So I think there have to, in a specific student ministry situation, I think you have to carve out time to devote specifically to those people. Yeah. To... Like if you're brand new and it's a group of students senior year, they're going to be more likely to check out because you're not the previous person. And if the previous person was terrible, that sets you up to win. But they're also going to be more likely to check out because they know they only have a year with you. Yeah. And so it may not have anything to do with your likability. It's just their stage of life. So I think one thing is like, don't, don't think too much about it. Like, it's okay. And then you've got to spend focused time with them. And uh, furthermore, I would say on this topic specifically, yes, spend focused time with them and try to make this the best senior year that they've ever had. And also understand the long game in that your time spent with the ninth graders is going to bear more fruit. You, as a leader, you, uh, you have to be able to hold those two cultural things and the tension that exists between them. You have to live in that Yeah. because you can't, if you spend all year with that one group of seniors, just hoping that they don't trying to make them like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are three other grades and that's only in high school three other grades of people that you have more time to influence and build a student ministry upon. So I think it's, it's also maybe something to consider with that outgoing group that you may not build a relationship with them. And, and I don't think that is permission to not try, but you still have a responsibility to make sure that they're being discipled. Yeah. So, there may be the point at which you feel like this resistance is just not one that I can combat in a year's time and really win them to the place where I'm their primary discipler when they come inside of these walls. You're never their primary discipler. Their parents are. But making sure to give other voices that you know they trust 
and you know they will listen to and building the relationship with those influencers, maybe they're longstanding small group teachers or another staff person or whatever, and giving them license to be the ones that are speaking in as you lead them and, man, I think they need to learn this and this and this and this, so let's figure out how you can say it because they're not going to listen to me when I say it. Yeah. Still accomplishes that goal of stewarding their ongoing discipleship as long as they're your responsibility and takes a little pressure off of you just in the please like me category. Yeah. All right, so one of the things that we've talked about and that we're, that we're trying to do in, in this podcast is to introduce a couple of new segments along the way. Not every episode will have them. They won't always be the same, but just to mix it up a little bit, we wanted to uh, drop in some of these new segments. And this one is called Quotes from the Dead. It's a good practice for us to read things that dead people wrote when they were alive. Because <laughs> you can't <laughs> write anything you're when you're dead. dead. Unless you're Tupac, you can't do anything after yeah, you're dead. True. Somehow he continues to do things. I don't know what that's all about. He's but still living. He's still, that's right. <laughs> so with that, quotes from the dead this time comes from Charles Spurgeon, and it is this. Wisdom is, I suppose, the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool, but to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. <laughs> That's a wordy one, Charlie. <laughs> <It's> a, no. <laughs> yeah. Chuck. I was, I was Chuck overwhelmed was, <laughs> by that. <laughs> don't listen to that one in 1.5. You're going to have to go back. And, uh, but here's the point. Just having knowledge isn't good enough. You've got to put the knowledge into action. Mm. I Just, feel like that's how he'd say it if he was alive today. Yes. Fools um, know stuff. Wise people know stuff and act on it. Well, I think it fits into the culture piece because culture is not structure. And a lot of people think that changing the structure is changing culture. But that's not changing culture at all. So, so many people come in and they say, okay, we're going to change up how, what times we're doing what and this and that changes my culture. That's what people get mad about is because you're changing things that are yeah. quote unquote more traditional. So wisdom is knowing, like you said, how to have those conversations to really figure out what are those cultural pieces like in that podcast from Ryan McDermott when he created those house rules about like we are worshipers, we are note takers, like that changes culture. Yeah. He's not just going in and revamping what the student ministry looks like. Right. The revamping comes on the tail end. Right. Of those things. I think there's also too this may be kind of similar to what you were saying. But a lot of us come into many of us come into a, a ministry environment like this, knowing a lot about student ministry. But implementing the things that we know and paying attention to how they should be applied to this cultural context specifically that you're in, what you're... I remember Jeff Lovingood yeah. talking about going to a church some point back in his, in his ministry. And Jeff, Jeff Lovingood is a guy that's always on 10. Like he, if he can be, he's always on 10, the pedals down all the time. He's so great. Man. And I remember him saying, listen, I'm giving them about a five right now. Cause they can't handle a 10. Yeah. Which is incredible wisdom. Yeah. Like there's a lot I want to go do. And if I could right now, I'd go do it, but they're not going to come with me mm. with everything I know about ministry, everything I see that needs to happen here. They're not going to come with me yet. 
Right. So I'm going to apply this knowledge, the things that I know, at the rate that they can take that in. And I think there's wisdom. He showed a tremendous amount of wisdom there in the way he applied. Yeah, that's huge. That's real good. All right, so our action steps for today on how to create culture. We have be with people, spend time with people, listen, evaluate. We have be consistent, paint the picture for them, get them bought into the picture of the end result before you change the tactics that gets you to the end result. Anything else? I would just say Craig Craig Rochelle has some really good podcasts about culture and yeah. how to create that. And so I would just recommend that podcast. Absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. This has been another episode of the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.